That's what I'm going to try to do this morning. John has given me this uh, honor to speak today. It's always a thrill and a joy to bring a lesson from the Word of God. And as Kim mentioned, uh, we're so honored to have several visitors this morning, and we want you to know how welcome you are. You've honored us with your presence this morning, and it is our prayer that you'll be blessed by this service and also that uh, we're just three days away from a new year, and our prayer is that you will have a blessed, prosperous, and very happy new year. I don't know why it is that John asked me to preach at the beginning of each, I think it was a year ago, about this time that I was speaking, and I don't know if it has something to do with my age and the new year or what, but anyway, I'm honored to uh, bring the thought this morning. And we have our technology up and running. I want to talk about the opportunity of a lifetime. As we stand on the threshold of another year, they seem to be passing by so rapidly. Being over the hill just means that you pick up speed. You accelerate in the time zone. God has given us celestial clocks by which we can measure time by their predictable cosmic motion. He's given us a memory so that we can record our passage through time. And we also experience physical changes in our bodies that painfully remind us of this relentless progression toward older age or physical decline. I believe it's Woody Allen who one time said that life is filled with misery, pain, and loneliness, and it's all over much too soon. <laughs> Paul wrote, we are not going to lose heart. We're not going to grow discouraged, even though this outward man is wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The outward deterioration is overcome with the inward renewal. And you know what he says that inward renewal is? He says that our troubles are so light. The afflictions, what we suffer at this time, is actually accomplishing some good that we can't even begin to comprehend. An eternal weight of glory. He said we will focus not on what is seen, because everything we see has the word temporary on it. We will focus our eyes on that which is not seen, which is eternal. Well, the text has been read. Let's see if we can get this clicker to click. Yes. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. What Jesus means by that is this lifetime your lifetime is comparable to a day, a day of opportunity. And as long as this short span of time is ours, we must do the works that God has given us to do. We need to fulfill our purpose for being on this earth. Our lifetime is an enormous opportunity 
that we cannot begin to comprehend or even imagine. The word opportunity means a set of circumstances that make it possible to do something. God has blessed us with being a part of his creation. He's given us this moment of time, this span of time, and nothing can take away from the miracle of life. No one, no one is wealthy enough to waste it. And no one is wise enough to fully comprehend it. The most extraordinary fact in biology is that whatever prompted life to begin happened only once. Everything that ever lived, plant or animal, dates its beginnings from the same primordial event. The biologists call it the big birth. This was this moment in time when God brought creation into being. Nothing can take away from the uniqueness and the wonder of the planet we occupy. Forty-five years ago, just about this time of year, man saw for the first time the most stunning sight in the history of mankind on the earth. He saw for the first time what the earth looked like from outer space. From 240,000 miles away, the Apollo 8 astronauts were privileged to see this awesome vision of man's home. Soon after this happened, posters were printed of this and the other vision of the first earth rise that man had ever seen. I was so captivated by it that I bought these two prints and had them framed. And whenever I was, wherever I had an office, they hung in the office. When I was teaching school, they hung in my classroom. Now they're hanging in my bedroom at home. You will never see anything more awesome than that. We can't take this creation for granted. The commander, Frank Gorman, could only do one thing when they saw this vision. And that was read from Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But why? Why did he create the heavens and the earth? Why did he give you and me this opportunity of life. Having been born into this world of wonder and infinite mystery, we cannot accept the irrational belief that it was just some momentary outburst of chance or some freak accident randomly brought about. That we're not some just accident that occurred, that there was a purpose for it. God has put enough into this world to make faith in him a reasonable thing. But he has left enough out of it to make it impossible to live by reason alone. Why did God create us? 
the design features of the world we live in are covered with the fingerprints of God. Everything is calibrated perfectly to the rhythms of our bodies to support and to sustain it. This must tell us something very important, and it is this, that the world was created for the body of man and that the body of man was created for the soul and the soul was created for God. And until we understand that great truth, this life will never make any sense to us. We have a body. We don't have a soul. We are a soul. What we have is a body. And it is with our body that we can reflect God's image. The soul returns to God who gave it. The body returns to the elements of the earth. It is the soul that can open its heart to receive God. And when that happens, then our bodies become the temple of God in this life. When we lose sight of this, we can descend into an abyss of pornography, degradation, exploitation, abortion, greed, violence, cruelty, hatred, and everything else that's negative. When we lose sight of the infinite value that God has put upon our body and the infinite value of our soul. Epictetus, which was a Greek philosopher, said, God has entrusted me with myself. That's what it is. Life is a gift, yes, but it's more than that. It is a trust. And with the trust comes accountability. And this accountability is our stewardship of the life that God has given us. And this is an opportunity of a lifetime. You're not your own, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. You've been bought with a price. The gift of life, I guess, is most forcefully depicted in this considered to be the greatest painting of all time by Michelangelo in the 16th century on the Sistine Chapel in Rome, God reaching out and creating man and giving us this gift. What we have is the opportunity of another day. The gift of another day is a gift of another opportunity. Adjustments can be made from past mistakes, we have an opportunity to begin again. God has given us another chance. We have a God of second chances. A new day and a new year brings a new page. Another opportunity to begin again, to start all over again. He's promised to forgive and to forget, to empower and to inspire. We can actually redo the portrait that we are painting of ourselves on the memory of others. The opportunity to live today means that there is no amount of guilt that can change yesterday. There's no amount of worry that's going to change the future. What we have is the opportunity now.
this clicker is just not clicking too good. The opportunity to change the portrait of myself. We need to realize this. We're not set in concrete. We have the ability to change, to transform. God said you can even be reborn again in this life while living in this body. And I guess the greatest example of this is this man here. His name is Alfred Nobel. And this man was a brilliant chemist, engineer, and inventor. And he amassed a fortune <clears throat> by his inventions, 355 of them. And the most famous was dynamite. And there was a strange thing that happened one day when Nobel was reading a French newspaper. He read about his own obituary. And it stunned him because it said, the merchant of death is dead. Of course, the paper made a mistake. It was his brother who died. His obituary was premature by eight years. But nonetheless, he was so distraught at the idea that people would remember him as being the merchant of death because of dynamite, which can kill people, when actually he invented it to move dirt, not to kill anybody. So he resolved that he would change his will at that time. He wanted to be remembered for something else, so he set up this tremendous prize award to award those who made the greatest benefit on mankind in the field of peace and physics and chemistry and literature and medicine. This man left $186 million back in 1896 because he wanted to be remembered for something positive. When you hear the name Nobel, you don't think about a merchant of death, do you? You think about one of the greatest philanthropists in the history of mankind. This mistake inspired him to do this. We can change our legacy. We can rewrite the script. We can change the memory we're painting on the minds of others. But the opportunity to do so is now. You know, the purpose of our nine-month stay in our mother's womb, this gestation period, is to prepare to enter this world. This is called the gestation period. Could it be that this world is just another womb of preparation so that we could prepare ourselves for another dimension of life to continue growing and maturing and developing and learning? My daughter showed me this the other day. It was a, I guess it came on FaceTube, I'm not sure. But uh, here are these two twins in the mother's womb. Well, you don't know it, but they carry on this conversation. One of them asked the other, do you believe in life after delivery? 
The other replies, well, of course I do. There has to be something after delivery. Maybe we're just here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, the other says. There is no life after delivery. What would that life be? The other one says, I don't know, but there's got to be something. Maybe we will walk with our legs and even eat with our mouths. And the other said, that is absurd. Walking is impossible. And to eat with our mouths, that's ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies all of our nutrition. Life after delivery is impossible because the umbilical cord is too short. The other one says, I still think there's something and it's different than it is in here. The other replied, no one has ever come back from there. <laughs> delivery is the end of life. There's nothing but darkness. Nothing remains. And the other said, well, I don't know. But we will certainly see mother someday. Mother? You believe in mother? Where is she now? The other replies, well, she's all around us. It is in her that we live. Without her, there would not be this world. I believe there is something after delivery. <laughs> I do too. And that's what the Bible is talking about. That's what the Bible is telling us about. The opportunity to live in light is what we have been given. John has been talking and bringing us some excellent lessons about light and its importance. You don't realize this, perhaps, <clears throat> but no other generation has had the privilege to witness the astonishing discoveries that we have seen. No other generation has been so privileged to go as far in space to see what no, uh, nobody else has ever seen. In the last hundred years, there's been an explosion of scientific knowledge in all major branches of the science. We're living in the information age. My daughter's got a new iPhone. She is showing me some of the applications of it. Mind-boggling. My grandson just got a new iPad. He's showing me all of it. I can't even begin to comprehend it all. I told him, I said, there's no excuse for ignorance today. He said, not as long as you have your device with you, <laughs> carrying it around with you. <laughs> well, we are so blessed. From the electronic microscope to the Hubble telescope, from physics to astrophysics, from subatomic particles to massive stars, from outer space to cyberspace, we have been able to go farther and learn more and see more than ever before. And in so doing, it has brought us closer to God. And don't ever doubt that for one minute. Louis Pasteur, the brilliant biologist, said, Science brings men nearer to God. God has given us the light of life. He has given us this day. The light of life. The first words of God to burst the silence of eternity that are recorded was let there be light. The first bodies to fill the vast void of space were stars. 
If you were to start counting the stars in one small section of the sky, one star per second, it would take you 2,500 years counting nonstop to count the 100 billion stars in one section of the sky. God said, let there be light. And light in our universe extends only so far as light has traveled in the billions of years since its creation. Light is the only created thing that most closely resembles the very essence of God, just as love most closely resembles the nature of God. So, James writes, God is the Father of heavenly lights. Paul says he dwells in light unapproachable. The psalmist said that he is clothed with light. John said it is the metaphor for God. God is light. So God has given us the light of life. He's given us the light of men, which is his son Christ. Jesus lit up, lit up the world with grace and truth. But he has illuminated our understanding of God, introducing a more intimate level of who God is. He's our Father in heaven. Jesus also lit up this dark valley of the shadow of death. Paul said he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The theme verse that John has been bringing to us is my favorite prophecy in Isaiah 9 and verse 2. The people that walking in darkness have seen a great light. That's you and me. Those living in the land of the shadow of death have seen a great light. Jesus brought life and immortality to light. Light for our path. This is the third thing. The light of his word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. Can you imagine how dark this world would be if we did not have any guidance? If we had no light whatsoever about how to live our lives? Light for our paths. God has promised to direct our paths whenever we acknowledge him. It's tragic to be in the dark. It's catastrophic to remain in the dark when light is available. The sun shines in vain for those who hide themselves from its beams. 250 years ago, there was a skeptic by the name of Voltaire, Francois Voltaire. He said in 250 years, the Bible will be discarded and Christianity swept from the earth. Didn't happen. It would be easier for man to hurl the sun out of the universe than it would be to extinguish this word of God. It would be easier. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away before the words of God pass away. He's given us this light. But the verdict is this. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. Sorry for that. The opportunity 
that we have of a lifetime is this. The opportunity to receive the favor of God. The hand of grace. Paul writes to Titus and he says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all mankind. We are living at a special time in creation. And most forcefully, this has been brought to our attention when Jesus gave one of the first sermons or lessons in Nazareth when he stood up in the synagogue and he read from Isaiah, the 61st chapter. And he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Anointed, that means the Messiah. Anointed by God to proclaim good news. And he said also to release the captives from prison to restore sight to the blind, to relieve the oppressed, to proclaim that, listen very carefully, this, this is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the time of His grace. Now is the day of salvation. With the coming of Jesus, something crucial, unrepeatable, and universal had happened, which would forever change life and creation. So Paul says, this is the time of God's grace, the year of the Lord's favor, the day of salvation. Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. We have the opportunity of a lifetime. Leo Tolstoy, a brilliant Russian writer, said, there's only one time that is important, and that is now. It is the most important time because it is the only time where we have any power. The past is unchangeable. The future is unpredictable. All we have is now. Jeremiah the prophet gives a warning to the king of Egypt. And he says, there they will proclaim that Pharaoh king of Egypt is only a loud noise. He missed his opportunity. Oh, my friends, let's not miss this opportunity. The opportunity of your lifetime. The opportunity to humble yourself before God, to believe in this tremendous event that he's made possible, the coming of Christ, that we can repent, we can identify with him in the baptism, we can have a living hope in this world of despair. If there's any way that we can encourage you, this morning we stand ready to do that as we stand and as we sing.